Good people and fellow students, welcome to another episode of All That Yaz. We have a very special guest to close out our final conversation of the year, and trust me, this person is far from normal. Carrying nominations from both the SA Hip Hop Awards and the Luries, our guest is a man of many talents, most notably as a musician, graphic designer, and now event coordinator. 2023 saw the pretty star shine on the homie as he introduces weekly residency at Bar Bar Black Sheep with your weekly touch-up, an event that attracted some of my personal favorite music acts from Tyson Tabatelli, the Charles Jean Suite and Peewo, all the way to Namakawu star, Munga K and Dave Martian. A groundbreaking artist who was the first South African to perform on Colors, can we lend our ears and whiteboard to the ever established Bailoanster. How are you doing, sir? I am fantastic. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was great. I'm good, bro. How are you? I am good. I am good. I'm part relieved that this is the final uh, conversation of the year. I will not lie. Uh, I have a tendency to bite off more than I can chew, but I'm also very excited because we have tried to have a conversation for a long time um, on this podcast. <laughs> So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm it's happy long that, time coming. <laughs> that it's ha- finally happening. But uh, how how have you found this year now that we are wrapping it up? This has been a completely new new type of year for you, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, just on your latter point, I mean, it's definitely been a lot of firsts this year. But how I'm finding the year, it almost feels like it's too soon to call because it's only, in my mind, it's only October. And we still have like, you know two months of, 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 of the weekly touch-up for 2023 so it's almost like too soon to even reflect we attempted to reflect uh on the year for normal um last week wednesday <laughs> and there was you know i don't know our heads went you know in a reflective mood because it feels like the 31st of december is really when it kind of concludes you know for us specifically but um i can feel you know my body's exhausted you know the year end fatigue is setting in but beyond that my head is you know i usually check out uh, of a year maybe a couple months in advance I mean, we've already started planning 2024 but last year i recall checking out around this time i was in 2022 in my head um around october last year this time like literally i'm 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 so present there's still so much to do there's still a lot of planning ahead so um i've foreseen the next two months um as you know things that have actionable items so yeah man i mean listen it's been productive it's like uh, what i'm trying to explain is that we're too busy sewing to kind of lift our heads and realize that oh crap we are in you know the last quarter of the year but you know uh it'll set in at some point either the body forces you to realize and holds your head and turns you around and says yo you guys need to you know acknowledge that the year is over start you know winding down but yeah right now bro it feels like it would be rambunctious and ridiculous to to you know start putting our heads there it's been a good year been nice and productive but again (laughs) it's almost too soon to reflect yeah i get that and even for me i'm i'm starting a brand new chapter in november of releasing music so Oh yes, you did. Almost say. as much as it feels like a year is coming to an end, there's an entirely kind of actually doesn't feel like a year is coming to an end. It feels like I'm about mm-hmm. to start something completely new that's uh, quite petrifying and quite exciting at the same time because it's something which, uh, at least for me, I've been working on for a while. But when we started having the conversation about having this conversation, you wanted to really 
have a conversation around not just you but normal right yeah yeah, yeah. i understood normal is something which started around 2014 can you bring me into 2014 the actual start of normal and what what was the genesis and what did you want it to be so 2014 i just moved to durban my first year um living away from home home being Oxted. So I moved to Durban to study uh, visual communication, graphic design. And this was my first year living away from home. So there was a lot of, again, similar to this year, there was a lot of firsts, you know, and there's just a lot of processing and a lot of introspection, you know. And in my introspection, um, I began to almost attempt to unclog, like a lot of the things that I was possibly insecure about, you know, that contributed to my discomfort during my more formative years in college and whatnot. So I think there was a lot of just self-reflection, seeing myself in the mirror, unpacking uh, self-discovery in that time. And one of the things that, you know, was a, a, a common thread amongst these things was just, you know, my self-perception and how I was perceived by others back in Kokstad. So I was apparently weird in high school, you know, and I guess for as long as I've been around these people, but I was pretty weird. And I think when I got to Durban and I was face to face with a lot of these things, um, just in my own personal capacity, in my um, I was I was in a a student digs. Each of us had a bedroom. I think it was like nine bedrooms, mm-hmm. so it was just like my own space. And then what happens is, you know, I, I I kind of confront a lot of these ideas. How was I weird? Because you know, I didn't understand. I didn't understand what was weird about me, you know, and how the concept of Weird can be something that can be taken and used as a standard as well as normal, you know, like in the dictionary is defined as like a standard uh, that, you know, applies to everyone or that everyone follows. And I thought that was, you know, a little bit inaccurate, you know, or quite inaccurate. I actually dismissed it completely because it was like, how is that possible when I feel so confident in the things that made me weird? You know, I always used to use this example of people who might put... um, what tomato paste in a pair of toughies and put them in the fridge and then you open their fridge and you see these shoes and then that's weird to you but that's normal to them you know so it's like Wait, okay, what? Cool. Um, I mean... hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on wait um <laughs> i personally have never heard of this this is not me calling it not normal this is me just curious <laughs> about what you've just said so can we just sidetrack just a little bit and then come back what okay so no no that's just i guess i was just you know that's I don't know. For some reason, that was always the example I gave. A really extreme weird. But, you know, in a more realistic context, it's 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 subtle weirds. But, you know, clearly significant enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, while it's, you know, we can exist in a community and have like-minded ideas and, you know, we'll all arrive, you know, with lunch boxes and lunch bags at school and whatever, you know, whatever, you know, brings us together as a community of whatever students um but there is there are there will be those subtle things those subtle nuances that you know uh distinguish us from each other i was always too black for the white kids too white for the black so there was that you know not necessarily a confusion but you know um, yeah yeah and it, it kind of left me feeling not so i mean listen i knew who i was you know it's not like i had an identity crisis as far as you know identifying with each of those spheres of 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 you know those those relationships but it was more like okay i clearly don't belong there was always 
you know, a version of me that, you know, I, I got the sense that I couldn't bring to this particular conversation, to this particular point, to this particular engagement. And there were so many instances that were like, that I was always reminded about this difference, you know, like at the time I, I wasn't, I didn't drink uh, alcohol and, you know, that was a, a big thing, you know, where, you know, some of my peers would, you know, a lot of my friends were boarders, so they'd lie uh, and say they're coming to my house when they want to leave boarding because, you know, if you go to Luandile's house, oh, no, clearly we can trust you. You know, he, he yeah, I don't know what my reputation was, but parents seemed to like me a lot and trusted my parents <laughs> or whatever. But anyway, so I mean, then they get to my place and they go to their friends that they actually want to go hang out with. So that kind of was always like a reminder. But anyway, as I grew up, you know, um, I, I I think it all really kind of the microwave went ding back when I got to Durban because there's a lot of things that were processing towards the end of my matric year. Um, and then I get to Durban and I'm face to face with these things that ding, that ding goes off of the microwave and things are fully processed. And I realized there was absolutely nothing weird about what I was and who I was and what I was doing. I don't understand because this all feels so normal to me. And this dictionary definition of normal is absolute bullshit. I'm going to come up with my own. I'm also from the Tumblr era where, you know, you'd, you'd have X's instead of like certain letters and V's instead of certain letters, you know, there's around that time, that was something that was pretty popular. So I think it only made sense uh, in that context uh, for me to find my own spelling for normal. That kind of meant that, you know, that other bullshit doesn't exist. And, you know, everybody has their own normal. Um, it is very much a response, a rejection of, you know, the dictionary definition and a response to it, you know, just to find myself a place of comfort in my own mind, in my own, you know, world for lack of a better word. So, yeah, so that was the idea. So normal started off as an idea. Um, and then it became the title of a mixtape, you know, that kind of housed a lot of these thoughts that I found myself, you know, uh, processing in Durban, having arrived here for the first time. It's almost like maybe every time I was engaging myself, I was, you know, this is going to be graphic, but I was like literally gagging myself to try to get this information out. And then suddenly everything else would come out. And then I just found an outlet, which was the music, you know, and I just entered my, I guess, what a lot of people who have been following the journey from 2014 would call my angry rapper phase. You know, a lot of uh, like just like, you know, venting through the music and normal just as the mixtape housed that, you know, that was like the, the 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 blueprint, the foundation of, you know, a lot of our principles today. So it became the title of a mixtape. And then I studied graphic design and I began freelancing in my first or second year. I don't recall, but um, I began freelancing, freelancing. I was suggested to other artists and to other music managers I found a lot of people requesting my services based on some of the stuff that I was doing for the Luanster brand at the time. The buy hadn't been added yet. It got added in 2016. But um, what would happen then is that I didn't want to sign or credit by Luanster or rather Luanster to these designs I was doing for people. Because with other musicians, it was almost like a co-sign of sorts, like Luanster's co-signing this because he designed it, you know, which was like a feature, but not a feature. And I didn't want that because these are two different services. There's the Luanster brand and there's the normal. Well, it wasn't normal yet, but then I come up with normal. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign these things as something else. I'm going to sign them as normal. All client work, I'm going to credit to some identity called normal, you know? And then I think I was, it wasn't too long. I created a Tumblr page created a Twitter account and it was an idea that became an identity 
um, a corporate identity uh, rather. And then, yeah, that was in 2014, 2015. Um, I guess, you know, I continued to freelance. Um, and I remember the first time I created an invoice, I created a lyric video for Slicker for a song with him and PH and Ricky Rick. I created the lyric video. Uh, mm. It was commissioned. I sent, I uh, kind of asked, okay, so how do I get paid? Does Slicker not send me a physical address, Yes. And I'm like, am I being scammed? You know, I'm thinking, <laughs> what is going on? Like, what does this mean? I thought I was being scammed. Like, what? Like, I did a whole lyric video for you, man. Now you're making it hard for me to get paid. Can't you Must I come to paid. that address? What? What? You know, what, what is this? and then what I fetch the money. <laughs> I was so confused. Kanti, it's it's a fucking it's billing information, and I was like, okay, I don't know what the fucking invoice is, and then I learned that day. Uh, but yeah, that was that was that was a normal, I guess. You know, really started to be like a a creative agency, but not fully fledged at all. You know, like the minds, the 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 mind state was still freelance because today the mind state is uh, business. You know, businessman, entrepreneur, and that's a different, that's a whole different uh, structure. Whereas when it's freelance. That money comes in, you can do whatever you want with it. It's not going to business expenses, not going as a director's loan. It's not going as a cost of sale, nothing. Freelance mind state is just hand to mouth, you know. So I, I, as we, as you know, I began to take on more clients, I kind of learned that it's important to kind of have a registered identity. And it was in 2018 where we uh, officially incorporated um, normal PTY LTD. And yeah, 2018, that was my I, my first year after graduating. Um, and then I was just freelancing. I had applied for a job and a lot of the work I was doing as a freelancer was a lot of, you know, just branding. You know, I felt like I wasn't able to nurture the multimedia aspect. So I, I kind of applied for an opening as a motion graphic designer. You know, I, 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 it was a half-hearted thing because, you know, I I was very anxious. I felt like I had built normal to a point where, I mean, it wouldn't, it can't walk on its own yet, but, you know, it's, 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 it's like a little baby that still needs to be taken care of. And here I am applying at another company. But anyway, I did it anyway, took the interview. Um, they liked me. Um, a lot of my portfolio was a lot of music related things. Then um, they asked me, okay, cool. So do you have anything that's not music? I was like, oh, oh shit. Um, okay. And then I opened up another portfolio. I think it was my Behance. And they're like, you should have showed us this first. It was a lot of, you know, more stuff that they'd be into, more corporate-related things. And I was like, okay, cool. And then, I guess, wait for their feedback. The week goes, the week goes. And then, you know, at this point, dude, I'm having sleepless nights because I'm thinking, what have I done? Do I take this and abandon normal? Because I won't have time for normal. That's what it felt like, you know, because every day was wake up to normal. Even today, the way things are today is the way things were always, you know, when I was back in the wake up, get into normal, clock in. Literally, as soon as my eyes open, you know, I hear the doom. Netflix sound because the episode is starting, you know? Um, yeah. And then, you know, by the time they sent the letter of acceptance, I had changed my mind. Like I saw a call coming in and I was just like so anxious. I didn't pick it up. I told them, oh, I picked it up. I was like, I'll call you in 10 minutes. And then I didn't call them. And then they just sent me the letter of acceptance. They affirmed me by telling me how much I'm worth, which is all I needed at that point. I just ran with that. I I, I declined the job and then I, I just took the the idea of how much I'm worth. And then I told myself, I'm going to make this amount every month through normal. And then, you know, I just started being more intentional, you know, and then um, just to quickly wrap up, fast forward last year, we incorporated three subsidiaries. So now instead of normal PTY LTD, we've got normal ideas. 
we've got normal sound, and then we've got normal agenda. So it's events, property, agenda, uh, creative agency ideas, and then sound being the label, uh, which kind of, you know, speaks to the different, you know, service offerings that we have at normal now that I guess we always had, but for tax purposes, it made sense to separate them and not let them pile up in a single uh, company. So normal PTYLTD currently is the holding company. And yeah, man. So that was 2014. It was an idea. It was a concept, a safe place, still is a safe place in theory. Um, but now it's just something, you know, much bigger than the Bailonster brand. Not even metaphorically, but I guess in theory, because Bailonster is housed under normal and, you know, the weekly touch up growing beyond Bailonster after week three, you know, it started off as a Bailonster residency. Now it's like normal. So from my understanding of what it is that you're saying, normal kind of came from a very loud and rebellious form of self-acceptance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even listening to you talk, it also kind of, you're a very biographical person. Um, I hope one day you're actually going to give us a book because you speak like you, 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 you talk like a, you talk like an orator, but also just someone who yeah. continuously wants to document, not just document yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In, um, in their music, but just document. So I'd be very intrigued to see what it is that a written form of you looks like that's just there for written or there to be explored in other ways that's not just music. But one thing that I would like to also then just kind of get into is you talked about it going from a from an idea to a business and then that coming into an invoice but even coming to the events very much normal is a business in and of itself not not just being you because it's also I'm all the people I know and all that so yeah. how was it trying to open yourself up to that world and what has it been like trying to actually just now grow it into something which is housing not just other people in terms of services but you're now actually in a business with other people in a partnership trying to grow this thing this living breathing thing i think what is always important and something that i also foreshadowed at some point back when i started normal is you know the need for capacity to be able to capacity to have more hands uh, involved in, in in the journey. You know, it started off with the fear of stretching myself thin and I guess losing sight of the main thing, which is and was always music. When I started Normal in the years, in its formative years, it was always obviously just me for the most part. Um, hence, I guess, adding the buy in 2016 because everything was just credited to being done by Lonster. Um, I found that growth also meant, you know, while wearing all these hats, it meant that, you know, maybe the things that I need to carry suddenly get heavier because, you know, new level, you know, new, new, new um, trajectory while still upward. It's now a matter of, OK, how do we do more and how do we lose the DIY aesthetic? How do we make our our work not look like it was DIY? You know, how do we make it look more professional? How do we, you know, because the thing about DIY is that, you know, you can get away with it. You know, you can get away with a lot of things because, you know, it's DIY. And um, I, I definitely began to outgrow the whole, oh, I did it myself narrative, you know, because me doing it myself had very little to do with ego or anything. It was just being resourceful, you know, being resourceful, not having the finances to to outsource and just having to do these things myself. So in an ideal situation, bro, 
there probably wouldn't have been a buy monster. There would have just been a monster for the most part. But there had to be somebody who was holding it down and holding it up like a kickstand and whatnot. So uh, with that said, um, I moved to Johannesburg and, you know, now the aspirations have gotten higher. You know, I'm in a city that has a, a, a faster and more refined machine as far as an industry. Durban, um, is, is, it's got a very gradual pace, one that is accommodating for self-discovery and just like taking your time with things. There isn't a, necessarily a rush. Well, that was great for me to starting to be intentional about the Balwanster brand. Uh, but at some point, everything just started feeling way too slow. So I think the move to Joburg was also one that was very impulsive as well. I just found myself here out of frustration about a Wi-Fi situation that I, um, you know, back at my the second student apartment I was staying in. And it's crazy. Why, like my Wi-Fi not working <laughs> and I flew to Joburg to come and use my brother's Wi-Fi. It was a bit of a stretch, but I think it was meant to be that way. You know, I got there, DJ Clock is on his couch. Um, you know, he's asking about a lyric video and like suddenly I'm here and there's opportunity already trying to grab me. And it was like, okay, cool. This is where I need to be. You know, I wanted to be uncomfortable as well. I had gotten way too comfortable, I think, uh, after I graduated. Or oh, I felt that I was going to be too comfortable way too soon. You know, I had just graduated. I um, I have a career path. I'm in a city that I enjoy, that I like. I wouldn't mind being buried in. Uh, when I die, I was in a very lovely relationship. I was like, I got all these things now. And like, what am I going to be looking for beyond this? There's no way I was itching. I got restless and I moved to Joburg. And I, you know, something as simple as Wi-Fi stopping, not working was the catalyst. I got to Joburg. And then, you know, as I said, the fast-paced nature of the city was exciting. You know, um, you know, you gradually move from the slow lane into the middle lane, into the fast lane. And, you know, once you've, 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 you've figured it out, you can just like weave through each of them with ease, which is where I think I am now. But um Again, with growing, growth meant, you know, like, okay, how do we, again, erase the whole DIY narrative? Um, so it's not an excuse. We want to compete with everyone. When I compete with everyone, everyone who have the biggest budget, because first of all, we're smart, you know, we're resourceful, you know, we, we were students, we, we know how to study, we know how to break things down. So um, that was always the aspiration. And then like, um, the last normal agenda event that I had done was, no, the first one was in Durban in 2018, second one in Cape Town, third one was back in Durban, and then that was normal agenda three. Normal agenda four only happened maybe two years later, and I was in Joburg, so there was a lot of needing to settle, and then I met uh, amongst the people I know, aka Tebojo J. Musayne, and then we hit it off immediately, and I can't remember what the catalyst was that led us to deciding let's do an event together at a penthouse in Maboneng. You know, it was incredible. But, you know, I, I realized that, and here's how I, like the analogy that I give to, I guess, the contribution the two gentlemen who are at Normal have have, have brought with them. Uh, it's Debza and it's Mkuseli Bandezi. He's an attorney. He's also uh, studying an MBA right now. So it's, it's homies who came with batteries. That's the analogy. I built these machines at Normal that I would sit in, I'd operate myself constantly. Each of them, let's say there's about five of them. You know, one of them being the events aspect, one of them being the business aspect and legal. I build these machines, but, you know, I knew that, OK, I can't spend too much time on either because the main one, which is music, is the one I need to be present for and creative direction. So these machines existed and Debza and MK came through with batteries and they just like put these crazy, powerful AA batteries that just needed them 
you know, for these um, initiatives to, 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 I guess, start working and start moving forward. So, um, yeah, I think we, we started working, I think this was, our, the 2023 is our first uh, full year together. We started working mid-June, uh, mid-2022, if I'm not mistaken, um, with the incorporating of the three subsidiaries. That was, you know, something that, uh, that MK suggested, uh, you know, with his background and his expertise. And then I think the first normal agenda in Jober was that and then we had this Pichonga launch at the same penthouse in Maboneng. And we're just getting bigger and better. And each time we, we do things, we think, how can we do these better? How can we level up? And that's when we started to consider, you know, you know, like outsourcing and collaboration and partnerships. And, you know, that's when I knew that, okay, cool. Everybody who's, you know, contributing to this bigger picture is coming with their very specific level of expertise. And contrary yeah. to popular belief, you know, people always thought, well, I guess a lot of people were intimidated by the buy, you know, the buy that, uh, you know, is in my name because they felt like they couldn't reach out to me because they feel like I can do it already. You know, but contrary to popular belief, bro, I personally think I'm such a pleasant collaborator, you know, like I'm so excited to have people do their thing and I just get to like just watch and learn, you know, um, and just like let them do their thing, trust them and you know, so when I say popular, contrary to popular belief, it's like the, you know, I imagine like the, there was a different connotation to what the DIY puppy thing has and the please say the bye or, you know, all this I do it myself stuff. That's why I quickly dropped that narrative because I knew that it wasn't about, you know, ego. It was about necessity and being resourceful. And yeah, so yeah, growth, bro, meant, you know, maybe I let go of certain things. I let go of certain uh, steering wheels and let you know, the better drivers drive that particular one, as long as we know what our true north is. And that was whatever the brief came in as abnormal. And, you know, everybody just had to understand the manifesto and the idea and what grounds us, what roots us, and which is most of the stuff that I mentioned uh, about 2014. So, yeah, man. I think the, the interesting thing, even about collaboration, you're talking about the batteries, is even for myself, I can use like BAI as an example. Um, for yeah, those yeah, of you yeah. who don't know, BAI is a event that was started in 2018. Nice. And it, honestly, the way it started was I our company had done our first web series and I wanted to have a premiere for the web series, but this was about nine yeah. months before we knew that we wanted to have the premiere. And part of me at the same time, I'd already started Next Gen Great and I wanted to have a premiere, but I kind of felt like, I don't know. I felt like it was a bit, what I've been saying the word arrogant, but arrogant isn't, I didn't feel like a web series, having a premiere for web series. That's just myself was enough of a big thing to do. So I wanted to, to share the moment and kind of, find different people and find community and like be like okay cool let's do it with other web series people but I don't know any other web series people so let me find other web series people and let me find um young musicians and whatever so it started out as this thing where I just wanted to share um the moment but in the first showcase I was the curator I was um the designer I was I had to learn how to do a lot of these different things and yeah. Um, I've become very adept at knowing how to do a lot of those things. But the great thing with collaboration and with also getting people who know what they're doing is allowing that collaboration and allowing those people to come in and trusting them and you trusting them and you treating each other well 
it allows yeah. them to take whatever function it is that you were doing because you had to, and they then do it because they love it. They take it to absolutely different places. Like uh, last year, uh, this year actually was the first time we had a um a actual coordinator who was running around and stage managing. It was the first time where we actually were on time <laughs> for the actual yeah. showcase. And I I, I didn't yeah. have to, there's a point in time that I didn't have to continuously look around whilst doing the actual podcasts or conversations or anything. Like I could focus on that. And in that, I like the batteries analogy, really does just allow each of you to kind of just elevate yourselves. But at the same time, Absolutely. it allows you to to really hone in on, on what it is that you like. But on the inverse, and this is not really necessarily an inverse um with you having done so many create gone under so many creative ventures have you linked them in your mind in a way in terms of how one relates to the other because for me I've always kind of seen myself as a filmmaker and then at a specific point in time I just called myself a storyteller because everything I felt that I was doing started to kind of um when I started writing reviews or when I started doing analysis my goal wasn't necessarily to be, because um, a lot of people have called me a critic and I've never, in, <laughs> genuinely have never seen myself as a critic purely because yeah. um, I've also never kind of published anything. I don't say that's been critical, but I've never published anything with the intention of being critical. I've Everything I've published specifically, even under the guise of next gen greats was to tell the story of what I was feeling when I heard that song, when I saw that movie or to tell the story of what I believe this thing means. So even yeah. from writing about other people to podcasting, to doing music, doing all of these, I all see them now as just different forms of storytelling, even this podcast. Yeah. My goal here is to try and understand and tell the story of you. So in all the different things that you've now been housing, is there, has your kind of formation of, of how you look at art and how you express yourself changed in terms of how they all mix together. I'm not sure if, if I'm making sense of that question. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I, I get that. So how I think of everything at normal currently with its three subsidiaries, with its various... No, not um, normal, you. I'm, it's, uh, oh, it's me specifically. Specifically. So I, I think I see I see everything in formats, bro. Like I see it in formats where the core format has always been music. And then now suddenly we're introduced to various other formats where this one thing, this one, um, I guess this, the message that we're trying to share exists now in more than just music. It exists in the form of an event. It exists in the form of design, you know, and then now this trickles down to, you know, our human senses, our sense of touch, taste, sight, hearing, and smell. How does my expression exist in those various formats is how I see things now, because I'm of the belief that impact and memorable impact and memorable moments are things that can be attributed to them having triggered all your senses. And impact is something that we're always looking to achieve at normal. And just in my, like myself, you know, like I always look at how can this be something that is memorable, something that can, you know, maintain a significant place in someone's memory, something that they can associate a smell to, like an experience. That's why... What's happened uh, with the incorporation of, you know, the events company, it's it's our analog. 
it's yeah, it's, it's how we prioritize the analog experience and the, the importance of the analog in the digital age is that, you know, while in the digital age, how people consume music is you look at the cover art, you listen to the music. Those are just two senses. Unfortunately, you don't get to touch a CD. You don't get if you really wanted to, you could you could taste a CD or a vinyl. There's a smell associated as well when you're unwrapping a CD. Like if you had to smell it now, it has a smell. Maybe it's the print, the paper, the, the ink and whatnot. But it had something that would trigger a sense of smell. And now us being down to just two senses, I feel like limits the kind of impact we can make if that's all we're relying on as music creators and also as consumers, you know? Yeah. And like those two perspectives uh, are so important at Normal because we, I consider us a company that le- leans in a lot with empathy. I feel like we are the fans and the artists that we create for, you know? So we we approach our curations, our rollout campaigns, everything uh, with, you know, a consumer's perspective in mind. It's informed by, you know, some of our experiences that allowed certain pieces of music to be retained in our memory. It's, 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 what did this make me feel and why do I love this feeling? You know, it's beyond nostalgia at this point. It's just, you know, this made me feel something so, you know, important. Like when I first saw Novocaine play on Channel O, you know, when I first saw Yonkers and I was afraid because I was like, what the fuck? What is this guy doing? You know, but those moments, like, how do I replicate them for all the Luan dealers who are listening to my music? How do I like give them a moment that they can hold on to and that impacts them where, you know, it's it's a similar feeling that I experienced when I was discovering a lot of my favorites, you know, who are still my favorites. So, yeah, I always think about it like that informs a lot of what we do. And something that's a common thread is usually, you know, the, the, the multi-sensory aspect. Granted, we're just watching Novocaine, but then I ended up buying Channel O CD because I couldn't find Nostalgia Ultra because they didn't put it on CD, but I needed to touch something, you know? So like we make digital booklets still, even though, you know, you'll find that they're not the highest downloaded assets on, you know, our website, but they're there for the people who want that. And, you yeah. know, like us having been intentionally niche for the most part, We've already, like, we're going to do these things despite it not having mass appeal. The music already doesn't really have the the the, 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 the typical mass appeal. But, you know, we're stubborn in that, you know, we're going to keep doing this until it's something. And, you know, that until it's something isn't even anything tangible because we're just, just going to keep doing it. We're just going to see ourselves getting bigger and, and our shoes getting too small, our clothes getting too small. Then that's the only indication that we get that we need to now level up because, you know, we're clearly too big for our shoes and clothes and our bedroom office. Now we need an actual office outside of the bedroom. You know, that's how we'll kind of identify growth when things start getting tight. Granted, we want to obviously try to foresee it. But anyway, this is just to say that I see everything in, like I said earlier, formats and how one message, one core value, all the various core values and principles of normal translate in these different multi-sensory experiences that we we've been trying to house at the analog experience that we house in the narrative in the music how we how we house it in the textures and the look and feel of the the music in in the context of like rolling out but the glue in this entire you know machine is music you know in an ideal situation we're only operating in music why i say it's an ideal situation because in reality um in fact i think uh, we like to make our lives so hard, yes. Firstly, I'll give you an example. Debs, uh, when we were pitching for your weekly touch-up at Barbara Blackship, they offered us Sunday 
or Wednesday. And then we devs have thought Sunday was too easy. Sunday has already an idea around it. Like, let's relax. It's Wednesday is a challenge. How are we going to get people in the middle of the week to come and attend what we're trying to do? You chose and pain upon yourself. You Absolutely. such pain. No. <laughs> the way... No, for real. And, and, and the thing is, I understand it. I see it. I feel it because the weekly touch-up has a, a very unique energy happening on a Wednesday night. I will not fight you on that. But I also Absolutely. see how it could work on a Sunday because especially also with just the type of artist you guys bring. So that was choosing pain upon yourself. But it's an interesting pain because it it genuinely kind of feels quite breezy in that you've got this mid midweek hump of a event where you come in with it being in the middle of the week. It is now the hump that gets you towards the second half of the week with like, you know, like a springing step because, you know, absolutely. when I tell you the live performance that Maya gave, yeah, that carried me. It carried me for the rest of the week. I was like, I, 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 I am great. I am great. So I'm both agreeing with the pain and I'm, and I'm seeing why there's an intrigue in going for the new, but yes, as you were. Bro, let me ask you a question. Like, other than Wacky Wednesday, what can you associate with Wednesday? I associate humps with Wednesday. Uh-huh. This is just personal to me. I associate like swimming and I associate actually like freedom with Wednesdays because even back in school, Wednesdays were the day that we would finish school early and yeah. we could then actually go for swim meets, um, swim meets and do a lot of the creative stuff, which I wanted to do that had not to do with like school. Wednesday was the day yeah. that I could do that. So Wednesday, yeah. in my mind, as much as it's a hump, it's actually, I've kind of seen it as a very relaxed day. Also, maybe because yeah. I've never fully been in a corporate, corporate structure. Wednesday is the day where I kind of slow things down so that because I know I'm going to be working over the over the weekend, Wednesday is the day that I kind of relax. So I don't think I'm the greatest person to kind of attach something <laughs> to Wednesday. But Wednesday always has like a, it has a fluidity to it. A, a yeah a nice motion to it in my mind yeah. just from how I've grown up. So you've, ba- you've, you've, you've given me the answer that um, I, I can say that I was looking to affirm because you haven't spoken to somebody that is common to everyone, like a Sunday, which is church, the rest day. You know, it has an, an existing brand. Yeah. Sunday has a brand. There's Sunday lunch. You know, there isn't Wednesday lunch as an official thing, you know, so... We wanted something that could be completely ours, that we could own completely. And, you know, one of, some of the feedback uh, from one of our patrons on a Wednesday was that you guys ruined my Wednesdays. I'm always here. I was like, there we go. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's, that's very affirming, you know. So um, that's why we chose Wednesday. So the point I was trying to make is that we do like to make things difficult for ourselves. Unintentionally, you know, it's not about making things difficult. It's just that, you know, ownership and independence, man, is such a, a big thing at normal, you know, it being obviously independently owned and founder led, you know, just speaks to like owning a narrative that, you know, keeps personally for me, it it, it it represents me in a world that I feel like doesn't represent me too much, as much as I'd like. I've always found the safest place to be normal when I, but the point that I'm trying to make is that, um, as far as our business, again, the umbrella, the glue is music. I, I'd ideally love for everything that we do as normal, you know, from the holding company down to the different subsidiaries to be within music because we love music. You know, we eat, sleep, shit music. Every day There's it's music. But, you know, 
again, what makes it difficult is that, you know, we've also decided, you know, not just music, but alternative music, you know, the alternative to whatever it is that is occupying the traditional mediums, the mainstream mediums. And it's not a form of othering either. It's not a, oh, you guys, it's more a, okay, cool. My music personally as by Lonster has never found any joy or much joy at all in traditional mediums. And then the internet gave me my independence and said, you know what? Do your thing, disseminate this music, get it to the people, build your Facebook page, grow your Instagram page, grow your Twitter pages. The power is in your hands now. And you can actually bypass, I guess, what felt like was a roadblock when it gets to, you know, radio play, to television, you know. Now, as I've grown older, you know, I've obviously created enough value and quality for, you know, the platform, the channels to not, you know, reject the stuff because this is too good. You know, there's people who have been expecting to hear from us and they receive us, you know. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that as a response to a rejection, we chose the alternative, not even to choose the alternative. The same way I personally didn't choose entrepreneurship. I found out that I'm an entrepreneur recently because, you know, there had to be a label to what I'm doing. Uh, I, I It wasn't employed. It was self-employed, but, you know, you know, the, the various hats that I have to wear that aren't necessarily creative speak to entrepreneurship, you know. So I didn't choose entrepreneurship the same way I didn't choose alternative music. I'm making music that I like. Music that I feel like, especially production-wise, production that accommodates the message I'm trying to tell because the production would be the house and the message is, you know, what lives in that house. And it has to be an appropriate house, you know, a house that's big enough, small enough, clean enough or whatever, you know, it is that it makes sense. So, I didn't choose titles. I didn't, you know, choose genres. I wanted to rap, first of all, you know, and I guess I was choosing a genre, but I just wanted to tell stories and document my growth. Uh, but this is just to say that we didn't choose alternative. But when we when we chose alternative is when we decided this is the market that we want to service. Because you can count the gigs that, you know, our platforms for the alternative musicians. You can count them in either one hand or two hands, right? And that was a cause for concern. You can count the radio platforms that will play alternative music. In fact, maybe you can't because they might not exist. You can count the, you know, there's very few things that are, you know, structures that exist within the alternative space. And a lot of the time with alternative, a lot of alternative musicians, there's an, an element of half-heartedness when it comes to the career aspect of music. You know, and it's and I, I don't blame anyone for that because, you know, if your music doesn't have a home anywhere else, does it really seem like anything viable as a career? Kuluva by nature, at Kuluva by nature, he was like, he said something like, um, every time he's watched, oh, he was responding to a tweet where someone's like, who's who's a slept on artist in essay? And then they had a picture of Sipo the Gift, which was rude. And then the, the Okuluva by nature quoted and says, they're probably sleeping on themselves. And he replies to that same tweet and says, every time he's watched my journey, he realizes that a lot of people are just sleeping on themselves and they just don't have the dog in them. And I was like, fuck dog, I've got that dog. I've got that dog in me. Yo, yes, I can't even explain to you how obsessed I am with the idea of making this whole music thing make sense. You know, and by make sense, I mean developing structures, making it a career, having it have daily duties beyond just making music. We just wrapped up making music now and we're still, you know, working constantly. We've got a 
to-do list that says, let's plan this rollout. Let's plan this short film. Let's plan this Euro tour. Let's plan this national tour. Let's plan this release uh, day. You know, but let's keep doing this. Every day there's stuff being done. You know, I'm in and out of each subsidiary, you know, constantly. You know, that's why I was, when I suggested the whole thing about me being able to compartmentalize and just multitask. I'm in each subsidiary. If each subsidiary was like a different cartoon style, bro, like my arm is in Adventure Time, my torso is in Edit and Eddie style, my one leg is in Powerpuff Girl. I'm in these different things, and it, it, you know, it's, it's. I don't know. Like I, I do it with. I think not necessarily with ease per se. I do get overwhelmed and overstimulated when I get really excited about things as well. But yeah, like we chose the alternative. So I'm circling back now. But like we chose the alternative as an opportunity for us to be service providers within our community, first of all, and beyond. You can see it with the weekly touch-up. We've just like hit 40 weeks. There's like 43 artists on the playlist. So I think it's 43 guests that we've had, excluding DJs, you know, and all these artists, you know, exist in our community. It's like-minded. It's a similar sonicscape. You know, it's this thing that brings us together. There's a structure that we've built that is now part of a machine. And then now musically from the label aspect, we've just signed a, a distribution partnership, you know, um, that is going to be able to service the label. You know, um, I'll announce who that is at some point in the next couple of whatever. But, you know, this is just like what I'm trying to say is that we're, we're, we're obsessed with like trying to make this thing make sense in our own terms. Debza always says we have to win as us. You know, we have to win as us. And that's the only way we're going to do it, bro. We're going to do it the way we want to do it. And it's going to be a lot of work, bro, because I'm an idealist. You know, I very much love the ideal situation. And, you know, I'm too old now for people to burst my bubble. I'm realistic <laughs> as well. I'm a realist, you know. No, like, it's not bursting my bubble. It's reality. I'm an adult now. I understand that. No, I get there it. There isn't it. a lot of money in what we're doing, but there will be. We might not be the person, the people to reap it. Because, you know, we're going to be the people to sow it. And, and, and you know, and in me saying this, bro, I'm not trying to even say or position myself or position ourselves ourselves as martyrs, as people who are giving back to our community, who are uplifting the alternative. No, bro, we're so selfish. This thing started off as a Bailuansta residency. And then I realized that Bailuansta is interesting, but just for three weeks. Let's get someone else to co-interest with me, you know? So it grew, but I get to perform every Wednesday, bro, like... I'm 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 a firm believer in selfish reasons, bro, because the self-righteous stuff, you know, always has a brick you can just pull out at the bottom and then something. And the people who say, hey, I, I want to save the children of the world, the starving children. And then you go and to a little child, hey, how are you? Then the kid's like, hey, fuck you. And you're like, oh, you know what? Fuck them kids. Suddenly it's so easy for you to switch on them because now you feel, you know unappreciated because you're doing this for the world where do it for you. My sphere of concern, yes, is as big as my office that I'm sitting in right now. There's two little things that, you know, I can concern myself with right now. Like I need to concern myself with this bag of jumping jacks that is in front of me, this Bonacqua water, this laptop, everything that's in here, bro, is what I need to concern myself with right now, for now, up until you know, I guess things change. But right now, selfish reasons are so important. And it's important. It's the thing that keeps us going, bro. We've been doing this shit for 40 weeks. Like, I wake up on a Wednesday excited about my favorite day of the week because I'm going to be with people. 
you know, who I've never met before. A lot of them I haven't met before, but they're here because you've created value. And also, guess what? I'm going to perform. I'm going to showcase to these people. And if they fucking like it, they're going to get a sticker. They're going to go home, going to stream the music. They're going to come back the next week with friends. And it's going to keep growing. Like, it's, it's, it's selfish, bro. And I think it's so important for people to always lean in with their selfish reasons because that's going to keep you going. You know, it's not about, oh, we're building our community. Bro, our community is benefiting from our selfish reasons. This stage, the stage, the palace that I went to go fetch them somewhere in Pretoria, but like deep in Pretoria, but where they have like far, not farms, but like there's just like, what are these things? I don't know, but it's, 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 and I put them in my course of life, bro. I bought two pallets sitting uncomfortably in my car, but I was proud because this is going to be my stage. You know, this is my stage. And now my stage, you know, Munga K has stood on my stage. Zulo has stood on my stage. Sui has been on my stage. Now my cow star has stood on my stage. Zani Sizani, you know, Charles Jean Sweet, Max and Love Tomorrow. People have stood on my stage, bro. Like that was bought for me, but everybody is getting to stand on it. But what makes me proud is that we're doing this thing, you know, we're doing it. So again, sorry, I'm going to circle back one last time and then I'm going to hand you back the mic. But like literally, bro, <laughs> I, I really feel like us having chosen the alternative, we, we, we saw an opportunity. We saw an opportunity where we can execute our rollouts as extensively as we want to because the thing about rollouts bro and i muted that word on my twitter but the thing about rollouts is that you know it's not a nice to have it's not a nice to have it's not a oh okay yeah uh, i'm gonna do this it's a must bro it's a it's so mandatory and i here's why i say this bro we're in the digital age we're competing with so many things we're already alternative musicians we're already not on radio we're already not on tv we're already not on newspapers you know uh so now we're on the internet where everything else is we're competing with everything we're not just competing with the next cover art the next single you know people don't just discover our songs on dsps they discover them on social media for the most part you know when they finish scrolling past this baby meme or this nude or this cat meme or this puppy meme or this thread where someone is being a troll or this thread with a clapback and then they scroll past your cover art as well. How do you now, you know, guarantee an impact when you release, when there's such an influx of user-generated content, things that, you know, would easily eclipse what you're trying to put out. So if you're going to just drop and say, out now, and then you're done, and then you get stuck in the repost loop, this is something we've coined at normal, the repost loop, bro, you drop, you release, and then your next day you come back and you retweet that tweet. And then the next week you're going to come back and retweet it. Then you're going to come back and retweet it because you didn't bother stretching the narrative because it's the narrative. The rollout thing, bro, you know, some people might think I'm being a snob about it, but it's not even about having all the money or all the skills. Those two girls who are not as young as I thought they were, the ones, hello, Christ, I'm about to sin again. Sin again. Bro, they're running. They're running. They're running. They're fucking running the whole fucking time. You know, that I don't know how much that cost them besides energy and time, you know, but they did it consistently. The thing about rollouts and is a commitment how you can... to, to an idea. Exactly. And an narrative. <laughs> exactly. Now they're running at TikTok. They're running at Atlantic Records. They're running at fucking Google, you know, because they were consistent. And that repost loop, that failure to plan post-release and the narrative that stretches you beyond your release day, you know, and then it's Friday and then people forget your release. Like, how do people, how are people okay with that? I don't understand. It's like, you know, man, it's it's crazy. But also, bro, we're in this shit for different reasons, I realize. For some, it's hobbies. 
And that doesn't make them any less because some of these hobby people frustrate me because they're so good. They're so good. But it's like, okay, imagine now you decided, you know, I want to really do this thing. And then you find the email in my bio that says work with us at Normalism. And you say, please, can you help me extend my rollout or my, my release day? How do we develop a narrative? How do we develop moments? How do we develop multiple touch points, multi-sensory experiences, a concept that kind of, you know, belongs in people's lives beyond it just being a song. It becomes a soundtrack to something. You know what I'm saying? So the alternative space is where we saw an opportunity to really kind of tap into the needs of alternative artists. We've got this artist discovery form that we created where we send our clients, where they fill in questions so we can better understand them. Like one of the questions, who should be listening to your music but isn't? And, you know, you'll find various answers and then we kind of, okay, cool. This is what you're trying to do. This is why it isn't working right now. Then we're able to give you a diagnosis. But this discovery form, we send it and it's only going to land better on alternative artists because the guys who have television, who have radio, who have traditional media and have the masses, they don't need to roll out if you think about it because they have a machine. But the guys who need to roll out are the people who need to create more moments on the internet and find a way to translate it outside of the internet into something tangible, into something with a taste, a smell, a, a look and feel or whatever. But yeah, uh, there's the mic. Well, what I will add <laughs> on your on your statement is as much as you say the people who have machines don't need rollouts, those machines are rolling things out for them. So even exactly. if you're talking yeah, about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about a very big artist even if you're talking about let's say beyonce or even in this or in, or even in this case in the south african context aries aries yes, doesn't yes. roll out right or people will yeah, say that yeah. aries doesn't roll out but i was on the internet as soon as october hit his fan yeah. base they rolled out in anticipation of him releasing yeah. something and i got an entire story from yeah, yeah his actual fan base being that his fan base is his machine. So as much yeah, as absolutely. people can say that he didn't roll out, there was a rollout in place yeah, that, yeah. that you could follow and that I followed. And I am not the biggest Aries fan. I respect as an artist mm. and I love some of his music, but because of his fan base, I knew when the album was coming out. I knew what to expect. I knew a lot of things, which was rolled yeah. out on, on, on their perspective. Great artist. Um, so bro, so check this out. Kind Sorry. Of, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. I just wanted to say this while before you move on to the next point. I would, what rolling out essentially is, bro, is storytelling. Yes. Rolling it's... out is storytelling. And it's, you know, telling the narrative and um, stretching it. And I don't mean stretching it as if, like, you know, it's it needs to be pulled, but like stretching it really, like beyond release day. And the thing about A. Reese and Beyonce you know, that affirm what you're saying about that they do roll out is that, let's, I mean, let's look at the Aries case study specifically. Like his rollout, bro, started the day he signed to Ambitious and it got even more vivid and, you know, more, what's the word? Um, I can't think of the word. I was not enticing either, but um, his narrative really started to sit in people's hearts post ambitious you know because the way he left ambitious was obviously not on the best terms and it was like okay cool now you're fucked without us now you're fucked without us 
And then, you know, Aries was like, that's not going to happen. And one thing about South Africans, we love a come up story. Like Aries even had a joint at some point called Come Up, you know, and I loved that joint. I think it was before Ambitious. But yeah, basically it's it's about narrative. You know, Aries is the guy who people counted out as far as, you know, labels. It was like, yeah, now you're screwed without us. And then, you know, he decided that's not going to happen. And then he activated the slimes and people always have him in his in, in, in their hearts as a result. So the Aries narrative is one that const- is is. Well, you know, if you if 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 you're looking at it from a distance, you you, you might feel like ah, this is mundane because what is the actual narrative in the music, you know? But Aries is there to fight, you know, is what it feels like to me. Yeah. The the word that I use in this context isn't necessarily there's narrative and um narrative is 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 an overall thing, but it's mythos, right? So yeah. um, if you're to use Beyonce as an example, because I always use Beyonce as an example. Um, she created a specific mythos that you could touch, feel, and understand exactly what Beyonce yeah. meant. Right. So yeah. by the time that her mythos and her mythos and legend are, are kind of interchangeable in in this context. And when I say legend, I'm not talking about legend. No, I, get, I get what you meant. So mythos and the legend of Beyonce, when someone has an actual fully attached legend and it doesn't have to be a legend which everyone understands but it has to be a legend and mythos that enough people understand that if someone wants to peer themselves into understanding what's going on there is a person willing and able to say oh you don't know about beyonce okay so yeah this is what i can tell you this is the mythos yeah, around this this, yeah. this specific thing so yeah from a rollout perspective the people who are who don't have to because drake has a mythos there's a legend or you know when yeah. you hear the words drake there's a mythos of things that you can expect. There's a mythos around yeah. Kanye West. There's a mythos around a lot of artists. And that mythos is built by continuously rolling out or and, and giving a narrative to the point where at some point, if you're not even trying to change that narrative, you don't have to yeah. roll out because you're now sticking yeah. to the mythos. The only The yeah. only time you're now adjusting that narrative is when you're now trying to say okay cool this era i'm trying to do something completely different so i'm going to have to change the messaging because the first album is coming out loud the second album she was like i just did dream girls and i wanted to make a um I wanted to make an album of all the things I wish these characters had said, but also I've just finished Destiny's Child, so I need to be a little bit louder about what's going on. That is the narrative yeah. selling that. Yeah. By the time the third album then, came out, yeah? Yeah. No, 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 no. Continue, continue. By the time the third album came out with I Am Sasha Fierce, she's now trying to say, okay, cool, you guys have, there. there is a narrative um around me that i cannot have a hit and i i cannot have a massive hit without having a featured artist all of my number ones besides irreplaceable you guys have said that i can't um i can't do and that i manufactured so i'm going to give you an entire album of no features and at the same time give you an album where i'm saying here is who i believe i am and here is the manufactured image of me that was the narrative By the time she got to four, she was like, okay, cool. My dad is out of the picture. I am now independent. And this yeah. is what 
me independently looks like and this is how i'm going to tell my story by the time she had done four there was so much mythos around the understanding of the how beyonce is and who and what she's done that by the time she decided to just drop beyonce we accepted it yeah in terms of in terms of using the concept of mythos and how a mythos when you're not actually rolling out you're telling the story of something but at some point in time you may not need to change the story you're not just saying here's what i have next here's what i have absolutely and the music is the diary um because that's that's now what it becomes and you're like okay cool you're not going to tell me the story of what's happened i'm going to hear the story off of what you say which is really what even drake fans do at this point in time it's it's now become that thing of you've gotten so attached that you don't need the mythos the mythos is already fully intact for you to just now use the music as now an explanation of what's going on as opposed to yeah no yeah no no i agree completely bro and i think where a Drake, a Beyonce, and, you know, even an Aries are at, I think, and this is a chat I was having with um, another colleague of mine, Utsepo Mboga, is an incredible designer. I think he was art director for Present, Tyson's um, mixtape. So we are just chatting about their Aries case study. And, you know, he sent me Aries's cover. He's like, Aries, not even a rollout. And I was like, well, if you really think about it, Another thing that informs marketing aspirations or or marketing efforts, you know, like putting an effort towards putting up billboards, um, you know, putting up sponsored ads, what usually informs the need for these things and even rolling out is growth aspirations. You'll find that maybe four albums later, you know, an, an Aries or a Beyonce or a Drake are very content. You market things to people who still need convincing, you know, people who aren't aware. You know, you get this idea of the types of listeners. There's people who bought into Beyonce. There's people who listen to Beyonce casually. You know, if the song plays, they won't skip it. And then there's light. Oh, those people who won't skip it are light listeners. People who won't subscribe, who won't buy the tickets, but they'll listen to Beyonce. They'll come back every now and then. And then there's people who don't listen to Beyonce. It's the people who are don't who don't listen to Beyonce, or the people who are light listeners who the, a lot of these marketing efforts are targeted to, to, towards. Because if you're gonna put like, let's say, five thousand rand in a uh, on an Instagram ad, uh, like there's no way you're trying to get this ad to show up on the people who already follow you. You're not trying to convert the people who've already been converted. So you're now you're trying to grow, you know, your, 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 your people by maybe targeting specific, uh, um, you know, specific people, specific listeners. We might not know who the light listeners and the non-listeners are, but as long as Instagram puts your ad in front of them, then they can decide whether that, okay, cool, maybe this is the point of conversion. That's the great thing about the weekly touch-up. Everybody, like these days, it's like 80, 75, 80% new people, and then 25% are regulars, which is always exciting. There's always new people to try convince about the Balwansta idea. And I don't know how many of them leave, you know, but I know there's always like at least five followers on Instagram that come in after each of them. You know, it's a gradual growth, but it's growth nonetheless. So the point I'm trying to make is that we're costing a net the whole time. We pull back maybe like five fish, not to call people fish, but 
let's just keep the analogy. The analogy. Like as, an analogy. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, but like we're 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 doing this weekly touch up because we want to grow. We could easily be comfortable with however many followers I have and not attempt to roll out. But our growth aspirations are that we want to reach different audiences. That's how we have a different curation when it comes to our guests, like a very unique curation where we get someone who's not from our world necessarily. And then their people come and enjoy their, like their, 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 their favorite artists. And then they also get to enjoy me. And then they make their mind up about me at some point. But the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of these extra things because in an ideal situation yes we are in studio all of us we are in our art studios painting we are recording we are that's all we're doing and then when we're done we put it out and then we get our five hundred thousand rands every now and then you know that's the ideal situation but you know that isn't a reality so we have to always make an extra effort beyond the music and when you have growth aspiration, the reason why I say the alternative artists always need to make sure they prioritize rollouts is because, you know, we've been dealt a bad hand and not even to look at it like that, as if like we're entitled to certain platforms, but there isn't much for us as far as platforms. And I don't exclude the stuff that is there. I just mean like, like no one's trying to risk it with an alternative artist right now in South Africa. You know, unless you have a log drum on your lo-fi, that would be crazy actually, log drum, lo-fi, I don't know. Uh, but basically, what I'm trying to say is that you the make these drum efforts. is so people. I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna say, it. just, just yeah. you can play around with it. I don't think it's selling out. The log drum is just. There's something about it, man. There's something about bro, it. Bro, I so, love. That's all I'm gonna say. That's what I'm gonna drum. say. You guys can Listen, take with that bro. information what you want. All I'm gonna say is, Rojo and Voodoo Boy. The log drum is there. Yeah. You don't feel like piano, yeah. but it hits. It hits your soul. I'm gonna be honest, bro. When I'm at an event and I'm a piano is playing, bro, you will find me by the speaker, bro. When you feel that log drum in your bones, bro, it's like there's no other place I'd rather be in that moment, bro. That thing slaps so hard, bro. Damn, I was talking in circles. But what I'm trying to say is if Aries has growth aspirations, like, hey, I now want to get a slice of the white market. What are these events? Opi Kopi. I'm going to give you some names. Let me see if I can just find them. But I had a list of them. But it's where you'll find maybe, you know, a lot of the more acoustic ads. So for the second time in all that Yaz history, we have had a technical difficulty midway through. So if, you know, uh, the conversation don't feel like it's flowing like it used to, just bear with us. But as you were. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay, cool. I actually... Like I have the list in front of me and these gigs are Millipop, Millipop, you know, Africa Burn, Vic Falls, Carnival. You know, these are like some that aren't on everyone's radar, but they've got a very specific audience and who have a very specific taste. So let's say hypothetically, Aries decided, you know what, that's the audience I want to to, to reach now. That will, then you'll suddenly see more and I say this like loosely, like more effort as far as a release campaign, because now there's people who he's trying to win over. There's people who he's trying to convince. There's people whose faces he's trying to be in constantly. Because for an Aries to be able to drop now, it's because he knows people are anticipating it. Because, I mean, there's always this concept of, you know, five loyal fans is better than, I guess, hundred just casual, casual. listeners. Yeah. And, you know, and you'll find that in these millions that, Aries has 
500k of them are these like loyal you know for him maybe it might be even more because every time aries re releases that music gets listened to constantly you know and it gets like some huge numbers you know no he and, has the audience when you go back to audience he's reaching the audience he yeah. wants to reach so if you're exactly. not reaching so, the audience you yeah, want yeah. to reach that's a completely different um conversation as to why you want to be rolling out but if you're already reaching the audience you want to reach and exactly. they're anticipating you then yeah. yeah the ideal situation bro is for us to just be making music the visual that i, I think of when we're rolling out is you're building a tower, a tower, a huge tower, and you plan on dropping a, a a cannonball from this tower. Let's say, for example, you 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 build a tower that's, I guess, the the, the same height as a normal house, a normal single story house. You know, maybe the neighbors might feel that impact when that cannonball drops. Maybe the how the two houses down the street might hear it, but that's about it. But then you, if you want more impact, you've got to keep building higher and higher and higher. Next thing you know, you're dropping a, a cannonball from um, Hallmark's, the Hallmark Hotel balcony. You know, that's going to be heard by big chunk of Mabone, you know. And then you're going to say, you know what? Okay, cool. Now you need to go higher and higher and higher with each release. You know, you're like, you know, this is speaking to the, like, I think the case study you were giving about the Beyonce narrative and the mythos and whatnot. But like, when you get to literally bro the ozone layer and you're going to drop a cannonball by the time it hits the ground bro that thing's in flames it's on fire it's about to destroy the dinosaurs you know and that's the ideal situation that's how i visualize impact you know you want to build this thing so high that by the time you drop you know it's 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 it's, it's impact and that's the thing about you know the michael jackson narrative as well when you look at a music video like thriller that's, you know, one of the greatest music videos, according to a lot of people. And you can see it, how it still impacted people from, you know, what how people dress during Halloween and just in general, people's styles and just the music videos, the narratives, you know. But like, there's also the mythos impact. around that. Like, um, exactly. One, one which I think parts of our generation are only starting to understand now, uh, at yeah. least the music nerds because of the Rolling Stone scandal yeah, that yeah. recently happened. But... Part of the Michael Jackson mythos with Thriller specifically is yeah. Michael Jackson did Off the Wall. Off the Wall, when it came out, sold 30 million records um, and was the best-selling Black record of all time. Yeah. At the, at the specific point in time that it came, Michael Jackson kept trying to pitch to actually be a cover artist and to be on the cover of Rolling Stones. And the Rolling Stones editor in chief at the time denied him and said that he hadn't necessarily done enough. And it's like, what do you mean I haven't done enough? So Thriller was the mythos of showing I am the biggest pop star. Part of Michael Jackson's mythos is genuinely a continuous fuck you because bad was then mm, also mm, then mm. going into um, was then going further into the rock genre and, and saying, you guys count me out as a rock star. I'm going to do this. And then building up this rock mythos that he can be anything yeah. at anywhere at any time. So there's a continuous mythos going around and. I think the the thing that we've lost slightly with the increase of the digital age and the, and the decrease of the power of mass communication and what magazines used to hold was magazines were a great place to just very much distill what the mythos of something is with its yeah. cover, with the interviews, with all of these different things. So now let me ask you this, bro. Let me ask you this. In this day and age, I mean, you've obviously commented on it right now briefly, but like... 
knowing that artists like Beyonce and Michael Jackson exist or existed and the efforts around this idea of a mythos and you don't see homies rolling out. Like not to say that everybody has to be a Beyonce or has to be a Michael Jackson, but everyone who was making music, there's like there's people we'll never, ever, 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 ever know about because of Michael Jackson's reign. There's people we'll never, ever know about because of Beyonce's reign, because they can only be one Beyonce, they can only be one Michael Jackson. Do you think that anyone in our generation currently has that drive, that dog in them, like as far as their efforts, someone who you can say, like looking locally, because we do have like the the, the, the guys like a, a Drake right now, who's who's doing incredible right now as for, for himself in his career. But like, you know, Drake is, I don't know how many years he is into his career. A lot of us are, you know, just getting into this. Some of us are doing this like casually or recreationally. Is 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 there any need for a mythos? Is not that there was ever a need per se, but no, it's like there, there, do you I don't I know, believe man. there is, know. but here's the thing, right? My understanding of yeah. mythos, which is why I'm saying mythos and legend doesn't necessarily have to mean that you are the biggest thing of all time, right? The more people buy into that mythos, the mythos is there. If you're talking about local artists that I'm that I believe are actually building a mythos, Tyson Tibetelli to me is building a very solid mythos. Tato Soul, through his music and through the aesthetic and his consistency in choosing the sound that he's chosen and digging down in two hills around it, is choosing a mythos. AKA was very great in choosing in, in creating oh mythos because oh he decided that he was going to become an actual heel. And you could tell, oh, yes, at yes. this specific, he loved wrestling and he both used wrestling. He tied yes. himself to wrestling both physically, but also in the people who understood Bro, wrestling, fuck. tied himself as I am going to be the actual villain that you love to hate because that is the that is yes. the that is the entire premise of being a heel. So every time he's coming on a a press tour, he would always, always do something some controversial because he understands the yeah. mythos that he's trying to build. I also believe from yeah. day one, Tyler is creating a very meticulous mythos that she has crafted from the first music video as to how it is that she wants to be represented, what it is that she wants, what it is that she means and how she wants to be packaged. So when you talk yeah. about are there, are there yeah. local artists building mythos, I believe there are tons of artists building mythos. Una Rams has built yeah. an incredible mythos yeah. around... Um, oh, around yes, what absolutely. it is that he wants to do, how it is he wants to be packaged. I believe there are tons of artists building a mythos with their fan base and with the people that have bought into them. The only difference between... Bro, yeah, I want to say something. Sorry, no, say, say. No, no, the say, main the difference, difference between now and and then is that now the mythos that you have and the, the mythos that you're building isn't being given to a consistently curated audience, audience that is a mass audience. So you will have a some, someone who gets a viral moment who may not have a mythos and their mythos now becomes their mm, viral moment. Mm. Or someone um, has a viral hit yeah. and that becomes their mythos or the mythos was already in place and all it does is amplify it, right? So the only difference is yeah. um, where... 15 years ago, should Tyson Sabatelli have come out 15 years ago with the exact same thing and he was within magazines, his mythos 
to the general hip hop public, not just his fan base and the alternative public, the general hip hop public would understand what the, what his mythos is. That is the only difference. So, okay. yeah. Not the only difference, but no, no, that's I hear the main you 100%, difference. Bro. So I do believe that there are artists who are building yeah. mythos. Um, and also that it it's there. The only difference is to stick out now is 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 a, is a lot harder. So people then dig in on building community yeah. and making sure that the people who are with them understand Absolutely. what it is that is. Yeah. Yeah. And and a common thing, bro, or the main thing that informs you know, this pursuit towards, you know, a mythos is something that a a Michael Jackson had and a Mike and an AKA has and a Beyonce have his intentionality, being intentional, like the what you having identified and being able to and being able to connect the dots that AKA had between like his relationship with wrestling and, and whatnot, it showed that he was intentional. And bro, like something that changed, like that really informed my intentionality as well. If at any point I was wasn't as intentional, it was a keynote that I saw from the Louris. And guess who was delivering it? Okay. AKA. Every chance I get, bro, I try to reach out to the Louris, either on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Like, guys, bring that video back. I think so many people need to see it, bro. Like I was in Durban visiting my college sweetheart at the time. And then I found out that AKA was going to be speaking to Helen Herembi uh for Imbali. And I just watched and just obsessed over AKA's keynote at the Luris. Bro, he speaks everything you've said. He says, he even does the Dr. Evil uh, pinky on the mouth thing when he talks about how the AKA brand is this heel. He talks about how it made sense to go with Reebok and not Nike because Reebok is a challenger brand to Nike and they're more open to making taking risks. You know, whereas Nike, who I don't know if it is the case, but it seems like it's the case who I guess are the leading brand in that particular market. They don't really need to risk because they're already at the top, whereas the people who want the top are more open to AKA saying, yo, if you guys partner with me, you guys can get this, this, this and that. But they were open to hearing just like the intentionality behind that man, bro. It makes me think of, you know, like there's a there's a there's a. a an apparent note that Michael Jackson wrote years ago before he, 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 I don't know if you saw that, but he starts to like speak about how great he wants to be. And he's very specific, you know, and it was so interesting, man, like to hear that, oh, you're great because you wanted to be great. You're great because you were intentional about your desire to be great. There was actionable items around that. There was intentionality. There was, you know, attention to your, 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 your craft, to your positioning. You know, all these things, bro, you got to consider them when you're intentional, you know, because when you're nonchalant, bro, anything is enough. But when you're not, when you're not even about wanting more, it's about wanting that thing that I set out to to to, to go find, which is whatever Michael Jackson found, whatever AKA found, whatever Beyonce found. You just got to be intentional. And I think to, to, to answer my question as well, as far as anybody locally, it's 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 really just about you know seeing people who are intentional about everything about every aspect despite you know all the scandals you know hey man like AKA was one of the guys who was you know really about it as far as being intentional about brand AKA he said brand AKA bro in that keynote he's like the thing about brand AKA and the music videos he makes those are adverts for brand AKA the music videos I was like oh my god it's the advert for your brand that's gonna make you have the 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 
the, the, the sufficient amount of leverage when you walk into these rooms when it comes to like brand partnerships because bro in the digital age the music unfortunately and this is maybe a more controversial take but maybe not that deep but the music is not the product anymore bro sell sell a song now on streaming and selling a song is what getting a full play how much is that so now if you've identified that the streams aren't bringing in the bread or the rent where do you direct your focus to you focus on building a brand you focus on this mythos thing you know you build something bigger than life something that brands can attach themselves to and not even to make you like a product per se but they want the leverage and they want to have access to a community of people who have connected with you genuinely connected to your music genuinely. And, you know, you're the voice that, you know, the brands want to use. So let's get into our brand bags. Let's get into our merchandise. Let's think of the alternative streams of income. The only reason Vans and Tribe Called Quest were able to have like a, 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 a collab is because Tribe Called Quest were intentional about, about, about their visual identity from the jump, bro. Those colors, that green, red, and white and black that's the shit on the shoes that i was wearing the other day bro because there's artists there's bands rap groups that were around during the time of a tribe called Kiss, but they don't have vans collapse because they didn't give a fuck they didn't give a fuck about branding bro so look at like now years later bro like a tribe called Kiss, like our fucking household names the same way wu-tang clan and their logo you know everybody who was intentional that's what's going to make people stand out bro intentionality and you need to be hyper intentional in the digital age because as you said as well like like there's 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 just so much that you need to do to stand out now it's harder to stand out so we need to have accept that it's harder to stand out and we need to do more you know we need to do more otherwise ah, people must just go sleep on themselves and that's it fuck (laughs) 